Jersey is the world. Hey everybody, Chris Gethard here. Welcome to New Jersey is the world. Your weekly celebration of all things New Jersey. I was out celebrating Jersey this week. This is not a uh, paid advertisement in any way, but I tell you what, me and my family we went to the, the Grammy Museum. It's at the Prudential Center right now. I don't even know how long it's running, but it was pretty cool. It was pretty great. Made my way out there to Newark, and uh, it's, I tell you what, first things first, it's affordable. They met the, they had set a thing set up where my son could bang around on some practice drums and play a fake guitar and play along to a Bruce Springsteen song with a drum lesson from Max Weinberg. And they had a whole section that I thought listeners of the podcast would like that was Jersey artists. And not just, you know, obviously a lot of Bruce stuff and Whitney Houston and they had outfits from some divas that come from Jersey, but I mean a whole section on on uh, Asbury Jukes, Southside Johnny, the Smithereens, Naughty by Nature represented. It's some real stuff I didn't expect. Good times. And then I went and finally ate at the Belmont Tavern for the first time over in Belleville, and it was everything Mike D ever told me it would be and more. Really incredible experience. And then I topped it off with some uh, Graham Central Station ice cream from Applegate Farms. It was a very Jersey day. I'm out here living this very... Jersey life. I'm not messing around about that, okay? want to thank everybody who's over there at patreon.com slash New Jersey is the world. Remember, you can sign up for a seven-day free trial. Go check it out. See all the stuff that's floating around on there, all the stuff that we like to give you on a weekly basis. And if you're so inclined, stick around, sign up. It's good times, all right? Also, don't forget, we've got t-shirts over at belowthecollar.com slash chrisgethard including our malls one. People are starting to really like the malls-themed shirt we got over there, so check all those things out. Now, stop with all the rambling and all the plugs. I know why you're here. We've got someone on the show today that it, it felt like it was meant to be. This is someone who's been brought up to me many, many times since we started New Jersey is the World. When are you going to interview Brian Fallon? Brian Fallon is, of course... An artist, he's had a, a crazy good solo career. A lot of people really love his work from the Gaslight Anthem, who reunited and are playing again. He's Everybody knows that Bruce Springsteen has signed off on him and, and kind of mentors him, looks out for him. He's just out there crushing it. He feels like part of this lineage of New Jersey music. And I was able to ask him about that. And what it's like to be buddies with Bruce. And most importantly, we talked about one of my favorite topics, which is the banter. It's a really great interview. Brian was a good guy. For anybody who's tuning in, wondering, you know, if you're a Brian Fallon fan, I know there's a lot of people out there who are completists who follow all the stuff he does. I can tell you from the New Jersey perspective, I know when people come out of this place and they're successful, there's really one thing that we want as New Jersey people is we want the Jersey people who come out of this place to be real, to be real about who they are and be real about it and to be the genuine article and to not put on airs and not turn their backs on their roots. And I can tell you in one conversation, I think you'll agree with me. Brian's everything he says he is. We're lucky to talk to him. Lucky to now consider him friend of the show, Brian Fallon. And I hope you enjoy this interview with one of the greats. 
Hi, everybody. Chris Gethard here. Welcome to New Jersey is the World, your weekly podcast where we talk all things New Jersey, whether that's the culture of the place, the history, the food, the strange past, the strange present, the sure-to-be-strange future. Whatever it is, we do it. We interview small business owners. We, we, we talk a lot of shit. It's fun. And every once in a while, we interview people. And I will tell you, when we started interviewing people, I started hearing almost immediately from the listeners of the podcast that said, well, if you're going to expand this to interviews with people who know Jersey and who Jersey has embraced, you got to reach out to the one, the only Brian Fallon. And it's finally happened. Welcome to the show. Yeah, baby. (laughs) That's New Jersey for you. Um, It's funny to me because you are someone I, I did. As soon as it came up, I said, I think that would be a really good fit. I'd love to make that happen. And we have a lot of mutual friends, you and I. Yes. Because I, I came up in New Brunswick, uh, and my comedies always had like punk associations. Uh, Jeff Rosenstock, Chris Farron have both played my old TV show. Oh, yeah. We interviewed the people from Catslug Vegan, who I know you're personally pals with. Yeah. And uh, we've had all these ways, back channels, where I could have reached out. And I said, you know what? I'm not going to reach out until it happens organically. Okay. And then it finally happened, which is that you and I both appeared in a video for Catbite, a ska band from Philadelphia. And that was the connection that needed to happen. Wasn't even New Jersey. No. Philadelphia. Philly. What a ripoff. Philly brought us together. Yeah, that's typical New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Two people from New Jersey being brought together by Philly. It is true. It is true. At least it wasn't New York this time, right? Yeah. I'm more. I'm a North Jersey guy, so usually with me, it's more New York connections. So at least, it, at least it wasn't New York this time. But I'm glad you're here. Philadelphia, I think, is a sister shore city. I'm into it. Yeah, my brothers lived there for many years, and it's it's funny because uh, I still, I you know, growing up, Philly was insane. I always viewed it as insane and people from Philly were insane to me. As a rule, I assumed they were insane until they proved that they weren't. But then at some point, I lived in New York for a bunch of years and all the musicians kind of en masse just went, oh, we can own houses and build recording studios if we just move to Philly. <laughs> and I started to realize it had it had really rounded out in an artsy way. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Philly's Philly's pretty great. I like it. They got that old bell and everything. <laughs> they do. They have a lot of history. It's the Franklin Institute. A lot of history. Yeah. I got electrocuted flying a kite. Yep. Indeed he did. It led to all sorts of great stuff. You think that's true? I don't know. Who knows? That one's not, probably not true, right? I don't know. I mean, if you can... I mean, we're going... There's so many things we're taking on faith here. Yeah, you know? it's funny. I'm, I love that you and I instantly talking about I, That's what the world's wanted for a while. Like what we want is Chris Gethard and Brian Fallon to talk about Benjamin Franklin. That's what we want. <laughs> and talk about Jersey. You know, a lot of the early Jersey devil rumors were started because he was just publishing insane stuff in his newspapers. Ben Frank. Ben Frank would publish newspapers and they publish stuff about the Jersey Devil just to kind of mess with people. I love this. Yeah. A gag. A goof. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. This is incredible, incredible <laughs> stuff. <laughs> now, Ben Franklin was the first owner of the New Jersey Devils hockey team. Yep. That it, let's make that official. Yeah. Started in 1983. Uh-huh. 
Uh-huh. Versus Ben Franklin died 18. A little before that. Yeah, a little bit. Who knows? Who knows? I don't know off the top of my head when he kicked it, but yeah, his son was also the governor of New Jersey for a while there. So also, this applies. All of this applies. Zoe Franklin? What was his name? Zoe Franklin. Yeah. His, Zoe. <laughs> oh, Joey. I thought, yes, his son, Joey Franklin. William, <laughs> William Franklin. William Franklin. William John Franklin. Um, now, there is much to discuss. It has to feel good for you because- you get the Jersey love and I'm sure you feel that and, and you get it a, probably as much as, as anybody go in the past bunch of years. And I mean, you get it from the, the ground level because yeah. I think a, a lot of the people still in the music scene can feel, you know, we're around going to shows when you were starting out, but you also got the sign off from the boss himself. I mean, boss, you're like, you're pals with the boss. Yeah. Top to bottom Jersey. <laughs> That is t- truly, I mean, truly, the, the kids in the New Brunswick basements feel like you're one of their own. Yeah. But the boss texts you. That's the full range. He does. Sometimes he calls me on the phone. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. What's it like when that, does it ever get old when that number pops up? No. Well, no, it doesn't get old, but it definitely, um, it, sometimes it's, it happens when I'm sleeping. Wow. And then I go, I go. Uh, should I pick this up? And I'm like halfway asleep. And I go, and then my, my reality kicks and goes, do you got to pick it up? <laughs> yeah. And I go, okay, what's going on? And you got to sound excited, you know, cause like you have to. We're talking like what? Like 1am, 2am phone no. calls? No. Like if he's, if he's in another country, you know, like swinging around Boston and uh, and then he calls me and the time zone shift is a little dip. Got it. So then, then I get, you know, I get a phone call about a couple in the morning. Then, you know, Hello. <laughs> I'm in Dublin. <laughs> yeah. At some point, I don't, I don't want to exploit your relationship with, with Springsteen himself, but is it like, it, does he always call with important stuff or does he sometimes just want to chit chat? No, it's sometimes it's, it's, it's never, it's never like, you know, world changing like stuff. It, it's always like, it's usually opinion stuff. Yeah. Like he'll, he'll ask my opinion on something that like, like he sent me or something that I've heard or a band or a, a, like, or like we'll have talked about some decision. And I know he, he was like, you know, he, he's pretty invested in, in like the group and like just like not invested financially, invested emotionally. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, he checks up on, on how everybody's doing and like, He'll call and just be like, How, how's the guys doing? Is everybody good? Is everybody, you know, anything? You know, and then, like, he's really good with the advice. If you need advice, he always says, if you need anything. And then he says anything twice because he knows that I don't believe him. Yeah. Like, I don't, you don't want to call him, you know? Like, you're just like, I don't want to be the guy who bothers the boss. I have to ask, like, outside of all the spectacle of my jaw dropping, knowing that you have this relationship, What's it like for you knowing that you are the great connector of, because I, let's see, I graduated high school in 98. I graduated Rutgers in 02. So I was right there for the NJPP scene with Humble Beginnings and Lane Meyer and all those guys, right? And I think yeah. you knew all of them. And then I was there in New Brunswick for the Midtown Thursday. Life tail, Very tail end of Lifetime was right as I got to New Brunswick. Yeah, You probably more than anybody else are the guy that connects that era with New Jersey's musical history via these late night phone calls. What's that 
It's got. Do you think about? Because to me, that's weird. But it's your life, so it it's probably not weird. that weird. It is okay. Well, no, it is. But like, <clears throat> you know, a lot of times I forget what's going on, and and I kind of like I'm walking through my day, and like if somebody will come up to me and say, "Hey, like you know," especially like if I go somewhere where you don't expect them to like music, so you know if you go to like. I don't know, like the ear doctor and they're, and they're, you know, they're going to like check your ear out. And then like somebody like really likes the band and you're just like, okay. But then, and then at the same time you go into like some weird like cafe and, and then there's like these punk kids who, who are like, Hey, and then you're like, how does that swing on both worlds? Like, that's pretty cool that it, yeah. you get to kind of do that. Um, I don't, I don't really know why though. Like, cause I always, I don't know. I guess I always had my foot in both places, you know, like I genuinely loved that, that scene and that, that young, you know, when I was in the in the nineties and the, the punk stuff, like the avail and the hot water music. And I was a little bit, not so much into the, like, there was like a New Jersey scene here for a minute. And like, I, I get more credit for being a part of that now than I actually was. Um, but that's just, how time goes uh but um you know it it was definitely like a thing that i went to and 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 i was a part of and and then also this other uh, like rock and roll thing like (laughs) which is wild it all connects though i also I, i believe i once read a story and you can correct me just another very new jersey moment the type of thing where you read about it and you go if you're a new jersey music fan this reads like fan fiction but i believe this is real was there not a story I once read that you, as things started really, as as momentum started catching, that there was some story of you walking down a boardwalk with a member of the Bouncing Souls who gave you a pep talk of like, no, dude, you're allowed to do it. Like, you get to do this now. Did I not read about that conversation once? Yeah. Yeah. Well, well we were, I mean. You understand that that's, that's New Jersey underground music fanfic, yeah. but it's real. You understand you've lived the fanfiction. I've lived so much. fan fiction and i don't understand it but i i do we were walking on the well so it wasn't exactly on the boardwalk it was on lake avenue um parallel some kind of one of those parallel or whatever the math word in relation to the ocean and it was greg and i from the bouncing souls and i was kind of saying like you know I don't know if this band's going to like last or like, if it's going to, you know, like how do you, what do you do after, you know, like, what do you do when you don't have a gig? Cause like, I don't have a job. Like I don't have like a, I don't have a 401k. What do you do? And he, he sort of said to me, he's like, look, man, I've been doing this for 25 years. And this was like maybe five years after their movie came out, the documentary, the bouncing souls. And, and he sort of said to me, like, you'll, you've reached the point. You've sort of passed the point where you can always do this. Like you can always do it. You can always do music. You've got enough fans. They will support you in whatever band you go in. Like any of you guys, you know? And 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 that that was the moment where I sort of realized like we had done something that like impacted our lives. Cause you know, I I don't think like I don't think I could ever have been like you know Miley Cyrus famous. Like, I think I would lose my mind and I would be in rehab or, or I'd be in jail because like, I just, I don't have the, I could never deal with like somebody like taking pictures of my kids in the bushes. Like I would, 
definitely get in a fight and then I would be in jail or I'd be in some kind of mess. You know, I just, I just don't think I could, I don't have the, the thing to handle it. Like I'm too, I'm too like real, like not real, like a credit thing, but like I'm too like regular. Yes. And I don't have the character as much as I want to have the character to like hide from the world. I don't have that. And I don't think I could do it. Like I still go and like get eggs you know, and like my wife gets mad at me, you know, and stuff like that's normal. But like, <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> like, I'm not one of those people who can kind of like just be like an artist who's like, you know, like I, I'm always like, oh, you know, I'm like, oh, yeah. you know, the, the house is kind of, there's some, there's some algae on this. I got to go like, power wash, you know, we got to take care of that before that gets becomes a problem. And like that, you know, people don't think about like getting their dryer vent cleaned when they're, <laughs> famous you know like bruce springsteen never thinks about that yeah yeah like oh you know what time it is and we don't want to start one of the most common cause of house fires it's the dryer vent better get that taken care of i think i heard <laughs> danny harwitz talk about this on his podcast and it was about john brashanti so i might be stealing his bit a little bit but it's cloudy back here so i don't know fair fair i've been on his podcast too. i'm sure he won't mind i'm sure he'll get a kick out of the fact that we're talking yeah his there's podcast. one of our mutual friends oh it's great going off track Going off track. I just listened to it yesterday. Yeah, it's great. Whole episode. It's great. It's funny. So I, I, it's funny. I, I greatly identify with what you just said. I know I want. Here's a story that I think will make your skin crawl because it sounds like we have this in common. So I, I, you know, I used to host a TV show on cable, and it never blew up. But the momentum, like it started very small, in-person show, public access TV, cable TV, bigger cable network, and I'll tell you. I had an incident where I once went, I was eating in a diner by myself. Now, this was in Manhattan. This was not in New Jersey. I don't think this would have happened in New Jersey, but I was eating in this diner. And I feel like you and I probably both know. I don't know if you're the same way. I go, if I'm on the road doing comedy and I see a diner, the Jersey in me goes, that's that's safe harbor. Wherever I am, that feels like a place where I know how it works. And I understand, like, you know, like... I understand how it's going to go. I understand my responsibilities. I understand I when they come and approach me, I'm, I need to have my order ready. I understand this and that. And I was eating by myself in the diner and a notification popped up in my phone that I'd been tagged on a picture in Facebook. And it was a picture of me eating in that diner at that time. And it was somebody going, it was, it was a fan going, uh, guys, look who I found. Let's guess what he ordered. And I was like, someone's watching me right now. And I will tell you. Oh, I don't like it. No. And I'll tell you too, my TV show was winding down at that point. I, I kind of had a looming sense it was going to be canceled. And then it was. And I could tell you, and I'm not, if the, if the person who did that hears this story, I don't want them to feel bad, but I can tell you it was a big moment when I realized I'm not built for that. And I think I need my life to be a lot smaller and I'll figure out the financial side of it. But I don't think I want that. And it's very similar to your dryer vent mentality. Yeah. I have to wonder too. I had said, I don't think that would happen in Jersey. Does Jersey let you be a regular guy? Yeah. It's the best that way, right? Yeah. Like there's been opportunities for like, so for the longest time I have two kids and I, I just totally kept them off the internet. And, um, just because I, I don't know, like, the internet's weird. It was new. I don't, I don't want anybody to try and like take them. So I have to kill them. And I don't want anybody to like, you know, and I kind of want them to like make their own decision. Like, do I want to be on the internet? You know? And, and I don't want them to like grow up and be like, dad, why'd you put that on the internet? You know? Yeah. Like my son is 10 now 
and he's like got his own opinions about himself and his identity and my daughter's seven and and she she as well is forming her own opinions about her own identity and i don't want to like embarrass them in any way but i think there's been opportunities for people to come up and like rocking in the street and they could have totally taken pictures of my kids and put them up there and they never ever have no one has done it they've always like come up and been like hey i know you're with your your family do you mind taking a picture and then they'll always step to the side and like take the photo with just me and i think that that's really cool like everybody has been really cool but i also think that it's because we've been really cool to everybody yeah you guys have you're notorious for that yeah yeah like we're not pretty openly acceptable guys to like whatever story you want to tell us or whatever photo you want to take or sign or whatever it it, it doesn't like we're not like yeah 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 all right you know there's a lot of people are like that and i think we still don't get like how how big the band got and i don't think that anybody gets it yet yeah i mean and that that has to keep it special too because it is i mean those songs hit hard for a lot of people. I know I wanted to make sure I told you this as part of this interview. My son, who's four now, will on occasion come up to me and say, because you know, we play a lot of music in the house. My wife's a musician and in music we it's been a big part of his life in a way that's cool. That wasn't for me. My parents weren't playing music around the house. We do he'll sometimes come up to me and say, Daddy, play um can you play young boys, young girls? Play young boys, young girls. <laughs> And it's, he's four and it's like, it's a song he's going to grow up with, you know, like, and you got a bunch of those where there's like people who love those songs who play them for their kids now. Yeah. Cool. That's a whole thing too. It was like the, you know, the, there was this thing I, I've said this before in interviews, but there was this thing I read a long time ago about, um, I'm not like the world's biggest who fan, but the who's fine, whatever. We like the who, um, you know, I like the hits. I like when he screams on law and order or whatever the show is, but, uh, Pete Townsend was, they said that he always knew what who fans wanted because he himself was the biggest who fan. And I, and I sort of said to myself, you know, I'm like, I think that like, I'm the biggest fan of what we do. And I feel that when I'm writing songs, I, I write obviously for myself. Sure. But my, what I want is aligned with what I feel my audience wants because I feel that, we're the same, you know, and like not in some kind of like fake artsy way or trying to win points. Like I genuinely feel the same. I feel that my feelings and my perspective on life is probably very similar to the people who come to see us play. And when I write, I almost write like, I can't wait for them to hear this, you know? Yeah. And I, and it's that I think keeps the spirit young and it, and also our, our experiences are similar. Like they went from like the basement punk shows. Now they have kids. We're in the same spot. Like we're not trying to reach teenagers, you know, like if the teenagers come welcome, but we're not trying to identify. Right. We're not trying to be like, right. Using the words, you know, like the worst thing I think you could do is like, I love you too so much, but now with the, they're trying to like, you could tell that they're like, they use co-writers and they're trying to like have hits still. And like, yeah, I'm like, man, maybe just be old, you too. You know, like just be old. Yeah. It's cool, man. It's cool. Yeah, like you already did it. It's funny. It even loops back to what you were saying with the phone calls because I can tell you genuinely, because you and I, I don't think we've crossed paths before, but like I said, many mutual friends, yeah. and I've always said like, ah, someday I'm, I've said like when I talked to Michelle from Catsluck, and 
I was like, Brian, I'm going to get him on the show someday. And she was like, do you want me to say something? I was like, no, it'll happen. It'll happen. (laughs) But I can tell you, as someone who watches you and who enjoys the songs, I'm like, even hearing you get the call from Bruce, it doesn't, I think part of what's so cool about it and why it, it puts a smile on people's faces is it doesn't feel like you exiting to go be that level. It feels like, oh, Bruce really is a guy who would talk to one of us. That's what it feels like. Yeah. Like one of us got a chance to actually get Bruce's phone number. That's what it feels like. Yeah. It's pretty fucking cool. What a cool space to occupy, man. Well done. It's weird. It's like, I feel like, thank you. I feel like Moses. Like I've, <laughs> I've been to the mountaintop and I'm coming down to tell you about it. I got these, you know, the, the 10 New Jersey commandments. I love it. I love it. Yeah. I wanted to ask you about another specific thing. Cause I think there's a, a one way that you've really done right by New Jersey and, and a thing I noticed that I want to give you a lot of credit for. Cause you know, you always had the stone pony and then the legends of city gardens, Maxwell's hit that level too, up in Hoboken. Yeah. And then I think lifetime wrote, you know, the new Brunswick basement, you know, song to nail down that scene. And then you hear all these bands come through new Brunswick and want to play a basement show. Cause that lifetime song, I feel like you have done that for Crossroads and Garwood. I think that was always, that was a venue that was a little off the grid that people knew about. Yeah. But I feel like now a big part of the dialogue, because I've, I've uh, done comedy there, headline there. And one of the things that gets tossed around when you announce you're doing, you know, when you put out on Twitter and Instagram, I'm doing Crossroads, you will get a comment. Oh, Fallon says that's his favorite venue. Yeah. And that's part of the dialogue of that place now. And you did right by that place. Yeah. Well, they, I mean, they did right by me too. They kept me going for a long time. Like there'd be a lot of years where there was just not enough work or like whatever. And then they would always be like, Hey, well, you know, we'll we'll give you the stupid money for, to come play the place. And I'd just be like, all right. And then, uh, you know, and it, it worked out like, now but then like you know too when the um when when the band decided to get back together we didn't really tell anyone and like what we were doing and like i had those i had like you know one of the solo runs and like you know on like day 506 it was supposed to be the last one and it was just me and then you know we just had the whole band show up and just play so there was like you know 350 like insanely happy people and and it was really cool to to do that and that was right there and i think now i mean now everybody plays there like i think frank turner play there and like tim barry and all these cool people are playing there people make a point of it and i think uh yeah. i think that that tiger's jaw was just there is awesome yeah dude i just saw i just saw lars stevenson passed in my fr- old friend laura played there <laughs> recently uh but I, I do think i mean i think that place was always a good venue, right? And yeah. and but I think now people make it a re- hey reach out to them, and I think think that that's because yeah that must have been it. I have to imagine too getting the band back together that way as a surprise and seeing everybody's faces light up because certain yeah. certain bands don't stop playing together because everything's going smooth and great, and you know people get tired, people get burnt out, there's stress, there's tension. I imagine the process of bringing it back together it's almost like getting back into an old romantic relationship in some ways and to have it go that way low key and then feel the love locally. Yeah. That's gotta be a really great and healthy way to kick things back off after a break. Definitely. I mean, you could feel that everybody was so, cause nobody knew yeah. like there were people, we kept it so under wraps that there were, there were people like our 
our techs wives didn't know oh wow and they were just like they just thought we were playing a show and like that's just brian playing acoustic and then everybody came so literally everyone's jaws hit the floor and when when that happened like we just walked out like like nothing walked out of the kitchen <laughs> like, in, not garwood. Even in garwood like Gar- a town that doesn't even really need to exist it should just be absorbed <laughs> into westfield it's in garwood garwood and 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 there it is it's, it's we just popped in and played a bunch of songs that's it i love it yeah, it's wild i love it so much I love it so much. It is really cool, though, you know, and it just shows that we could still do, like, the the show where people are right up against your face and no one, like, no one, no one went wild. They didn't treat it like it was, like, a, you know, an old hardcore show. Nobody jumped on anybody's head. It was really cool, and I don't know. I just think that there were, there were definitely bands before us that, that broke the ground, I think, for that to occur, but... um I do think that we successfully somehow broke through the barrier of like punk band to like yeah. rock band. Yeah. I don't know how. I think you, yeah. I mean, I, I think you guys very much get love from the, I think the Jersey punks still got a lot of love, <laughs> but I think certainly the, the rock and rollers who, uh, who don't identify with it. Congrats. It's, it, what a really nice thing. Yeah. Really nice thing. It's great. Now there's something I've wanted to ask you about for a long time. I don't know how much this will tie into Jersey specifically, but man, is it the thing I've always wanted to talk to you about. And that's sort of what these things should be for, right? So mm-hmm. I have gone on record in the past and said, because you mentioned before, like I, I, I did go to a ton of punk shows in high school in Jersey, went and saw all those NJPP bands up north, very transformative for me, seeing people make stuff themselves, all of it. Similarly, you say you get a lot more credit. There's a lot of people who will claim they were at shows with me in New Brunswick. And I was like, when I was in New Brunswick, I had started doing comedy and got really depressed and just started doing I wasn't going to as many shows. There's people who are like, I was at a show with that guy. Like, and I'm like, I wasn't at that show. Like, there, yeah. I get more credit for, for that era of my life. Although I do think the imprint has served me well artistically over the years. But I have long said that a lot of my favorite bands growing up, I look back and realize it wasn't even the songs that I loved the most. It was that I was a guy standing at some of those shows where you could go to some shows in Jersey where the banter between the songs was so fucking funny. <laughs> and I started fantasizing, I wish I could just get up and just do the banter. Like, I don't think I'm a musician. And that was one of the early, early moments where I realized I want to do comedy is if I could just do a band without having to play the songs and I could just tell the jokes. Now, you are notoriously, uh, I, I would say, a master of banter. I saw you, <laughs> I went and saw you guys, because me and Rosenstock are buddies. I went and saw you guys, you played New York. Uh, I don't even think it was a full year ago. It was up on top of a building down by South Street. Yeah, yeah. It was crushing. And you, dude, you were crushing that banter so hard. And then some guy, I remember some guy not too far from me, he, he started getting impatient. Yeah. And, and he goes, play, play another song. And you very quickly, you, you go, oh, you haven't seen me before. huh? And the whole crowd started laughing. Yeah. And I'm not lying. I was, ne- I was like 15 feet away from that guy going, fuck that. More talk, less songs. This banter rules. I've always been a big banter guy. And I feel like you might be setting the bar for that. I want to talk to you about banter and how you came to love it so much. Well, so I came to love it because of, I I think, I think Dave Haas is the master at banter. Okay. And I think that 
we went on tour with the loved ones so early on and it started because the the heckling is tough like yeah for a, a, this is one of the goes back to the reason why i can't be like super famous and like it, it, i just don't think i could handle it like the people who are like play another song like if you go back to those videos of like Pearl Jam from the early days, like Eddie Vedder screaming at people, like so mad. And it doesn't look good when you yell at people on stage, yeah, you know? Yeah. And like, sure, maybe he had a reason to yell at them, you know, or like whatever. Or like, you know, you, you remember that video from um, Nirvana when they played the MTV thing? And like Kurt does this weird clap thing at the end where he's like, yeah. like sort of making fun of the audience. And it, it's, it reads really wrong. And, like it reads like ugly and you're like, wow, he's had enough. You could tell. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I never wanted to get like that, but I knew that I had the potential to like lash out at, at an audience because I was embarrassed, you know, which is not cool. But so I thought the only way I'm going to get this under control is if I make them laugh first. And if the joke remains on me, it can never be on me because the joke is on me and I'm making fun of me. So they can't make fun of me if I'm already doing it first. Uh-huh. So it was strategic. It's armor. You're building armor for yourself. Totally. totally. Wow. And, and, and the banter became like, if I figured if I filled up the space with banter, they can't yell whatever they're going to yell that's going to make me cry or whatever, you know? Yeah. But, and Dave Haas was a champion at this. <laughs> so witty. But, you know, you, you kind of get to the point where it also became like a thing you know, we were playing like these like punk squat houses in like wherever Germany, you know, and like no one spoke English like sometimes. (laughs) And you were just like, they were yelling at you and they, you know, and there was like the potential where they throw things at you. So I just started talking and being insane, just saying insane things, insane. And they would just be like, it's pretty funny. You know, and and then we'd play a song like really hard and they would be like, okay, and it sort of broke the it broke the ice. So that's kind of it became like a defense mechanism to and a, and a way to like break the ice, you know, to hostile audiences. I love hearing the psychology of this. That it's almost like I did this at ABC No Rio one time. Yeah, like I just yeah because I was like they're gonna they're gonna crucify us. Like, <laughs> you know, we like Bruce Springsteen, and we're playing, like, I mean, we, I say we. At the time, the guys were like, Bruce Springsteen, no way. And I, or they're like, you know, he's fine. But I was like, this is going to go bad. This is going to go so bad. And it was with Chris Barron, and I th- maybe Jeff played, I think, um, may- maybe, uh, I'm not sure if Jeff played. He might. The, and Laura, if their band played, they, they might have. Bomb the music industry back in the day? I can't, yeah, I can't remember if they played, yeah. but I know a bunch of like cool like Vice bands played. You know, it was like that kind of vibe. And I was like, yeah, like we don't fit in at all because we weren't cool. <laughs> they made a mistake when they thought we were cool. I just want to say, Vice Magazine, you made a mistake because you were like, these guys are cool like us. And we were like, okay, what? No, weird. We don't do that. So I love, so the, the banter ultimately started. As you basically saying, if I never shut up, they can't get to me. If it's just the song ends and then I never stop talking and then a new song starts, there's no pause for someone to literally hurt my feelings. Yes. (laughs) And and I learned this from, I said, Bruce Springsteen do it, talking all kinds of gibberish on stage. I learned from James Brown. I learned from Matt from the Bronx. 
beautiful front man mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with sort of like a preacher kind of thing. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, you know? And yeah, yeah. I just developed my own kind of weird Tom Waits meets like, you know, whoever, Chelsea Handler. Yeah. And that's, that's me. It's my favorite. It's my, <laughs> for me, because t- I'll tell you growing up, I, again, like, I was up North Jersey. I think you're you're a shore guy, right? More than I am. Yeah. I'm Essex County. So I was up north, which had its own little scene, right? Like Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Once yeah. once we got up, there were you know, there were three or four little micro scenes back in Jersey in the nineties, and they all crossed over. But for me, there's two acts that I remember made me want to be a comedian when I was going and seeing shows as a kid. I saw Weston probably a hundred times growing. They played so much in Jersey, mm-hmm. was Weston, pop punk band. Um, it was kind of like the Bouncing Souls and Weston were the two big bands we all really loved yeah. growing up. And Weston, I mean, they would just start messing with each other and making fun of each other. And then the next thing you know, somebody's in their underwear playing. And I was like, just all this, please. Yeah. Just this, I don't even need this. And then the other one was Adam and his package used to come through Jersey. Okay. Adam, who, you know, he used to program all his music onto a into a sequencer before before nerdcore rap and before merging electronic music. And it was so funny and weird. And you'd see him live and he was like 10 years older than all of us. And he knew it. And he knew that we all liked that. He was this like nerdy guy who had figured something strange out. And he would just sit and talk in between. So I remember seeing him in someone's basement in Wayne and he talked so much. And I was like, if I never had to hear a song at a punk show, what's that? And then I just realized, oh, I'm just describing comedy. I just, yeah. punk shows without songs, that's just comedy. Yeah. Maybe I should go do that. And that was a big part of it for me. Those were the big ones. I will tell you that there's, this has gone severely wrong at times. Where I, I, there was a time recently when we were in Toronto and we were playing like a massive place, massive, like yeah. multiple thousands. And you are not supposed to have conversations at rock shows that big. Yeah. Like you're not supposed to treat that like a basement show, but I 100% do. And our sound person at the end of the show, she comes up to me and she goes, you talked for 20 minutes between a song. Amazing. And I went, no reflux. Oh, the best. And, 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 and that's like, I'm going to start making a shirt. Cause that's what I say to everybody who knows. <laughs> No refunds, because that's it. I go, I can, I go. My name is on the ticket, and not your name. And if you get in a band and you practice long enough, get people to like you. You come up here, you say whatever you want. I'm not going to say nothing to you. And no refunds, by the way. And and I say my kids got to eat. I'm not giving that money. I will fight you for that ticket money. Um, and and I just talk. And they hate it sometimes. Dude, it's the best and you can never stop. I'm begging you, don't even think of it. <laughs> no, I get it. There was a stretch where the, the show I mentioned, that because that must, you, you, I'm certain you remember, Jeff opened it for you. It was on top of a sky, like a skyscraper. Yeah, this was It was like, fucking crazy. Yes, it was last year. Yeah. Year 26 or whatever there was. It was. A, and that was yeah. huge. It was a huge outdoor venue where you can literally see all of Brooklyn in one direction, yeah. all of the Manhattan skyline surrounds you and you can see Jersey. It's beautiful. And there was a point where you were talking at one point and you talked to the crowd for a while 
and then turned around and were just talking to Benny with your back to the crowd, like having a personal quick combo with Benny yeah. on mic for all of us to hear. And even he was just kind of like looking at you like, oh, he hates it. But and you could tell he hated it. And you could tell you loved that he hated it. I love it. I love that he but, hated it. But dude, I was sitting there and I was like, the fact that this is some big giant fucking venue that's fancy where you can see, I was like, there's something so, there's people getting frustrated, but the large majority, let me say, was fucking loving it. Yeah. Loving yeah. it. And then a couple grumblers, okay. a couple grumblers. That's the thing. The grumblers don't get, like you just said, that's how you turn that back into a basement show. Yeah. Yeah. You're on top of a fucking skyscraper and I feel like I'm watching friends fuck around. Right. That's what I need. That, yes. Because that is the thing. Like that sort of, I don't know that that's the true thing where we are literally way too punk for our own good, where I feel like the, you know, there's like a nastiness and there's like, there's times where, you know, we're like definitely early on, like, especially during like that American slang to like get hurt period. Like, I feel like I lost, you know, my way a little bit of like of what was happening to us and like what was expected of me. And like, I couldn't tell, like, I felt like I was getting shot at from all sides, like with the, like the press and the, th- and then the fans and everybody, I, I was like, no matter what I do, everybody hates me. And, and that's not true. It's just sort of like in my head. I mean, sometimes it was true. Like, cause some of the press is like, they're funny where they're like, they're apt to get you a little bit. And then, cause they want to poke you until you freak out. So then they can write the thing that you said, which is really lame. It's like super manipulative and it sucks. Yes. And if it was a relationship, it would be called abuse, but it's not, it's called the press. So, um, <laughs> so like, you know, there was this time where I wasn't used to it, but now I'm like used to it. And, you know, I think when you watch like, if you watch like the replacements on SNL, it's definitely dark. Like they turn on each other and there's like some moments where, you know, the, the comedy is not funny. And, and I've been there. I know, I know what that feels like. And that comes from feeling like we don't belong here. And, and I, I kind of was like, all right, how can I do this where it's not dark, where it's just like, I don't understand why I'm here. And I don't understand why all of you thousands of people are here. And these songs, I mean them so much, but also it's ridiculous that you're up here. Yeah. Like how, I don't know how we're the band that's up here and we are so dumb and so silly. And these songs, we literally just stumbled on. Like, it's like this miracle that came down and, and went into our idiot heads. And then that's how we came because we're not smart. Like I wrote the song, Great Expectations, and I'd only seen the movie at the time. <laughs> So like, don't, I am not some poet. I'm not, I can't spell. Um, and then, and I, I really can't. And I, I just like, I've been wearing the shirt for two days and, um, but you know, that's us and we're going to, and, and I'm going to make it feel like, you know, like you're my friends, even though I'm not going to hang out with you. And like, some of you creep me out, you know, and it's true. Like, cause there are some of you that are creepy out there, but the large majority of you are not creepy and you're awesome. And I just want you to know that like, I do care and I do love it. And I think this is awesome. And I am going to let you see us be stupid. I love it. Yeah. I love it. I'll tell you, I saw another Jersey band. I'm not going to name names out of respect. Some people I think will, people naturally want to guess. And some people will, cause I, I think there's, there's another Jersey band I've seen that I like and they're great. But where I saw the front man, in one of those dark periods, I was at a show where it was like, Hey, I don't want anybody like stage diving and hurting each other. And I hear that. And I'm like, yeah, great, cool. And then it goes, because a lot of you guys don't know that back in the day. And as soon as I hear somebody going back in the day, like 
at a crowd, I'm like, yeah, okay, something's on your mind. This doesn't feel great. And then it starts going, and some of you guys just want to be fucking idiots and this. And it was, and it became like a scold. Yeah. And I was like bummed in two ways where I'm like, yeah, I'm like, it's not, it's not fun. It's not. F-. And, and the large majority of the people are trying to have fun. And now that, that one person who is the idiot is defining the fun for it. Like it's a storm cloud. Um, yeah. It's a bummer. It's a bummer to see a performer in a bad headspace unleashed like that. So, Hearing that you have found ways to go, no, this will actually push back against it and keep it positive. Yeah. And and be a way to keep recognizing it as a positive, fun, joyous miracle that we all get to show up and be here together is a perspective that I am truly grateful for because I've been in rooms where a tired, cranky front person who's probably been on the road too long has given in to those darker impulses and you go, Ooh. Yeah. I spent I got a baby. I'm I'm in my forty I got a babysitter. <laughs> I got a babysitter to come be here tonight. Like this feels dark, you know? That's something that helped me kind of get out of it uh, in the point where I was in it because um, Amos Lee, of all people, um, right, like said that on Twitter. He was like, you know, I understand a lot of people you got babysitters and like took time off work and, you know, you're on your vacation and I get it that this is what, this is your night. Yeah. Like this is my every night, but it's your night. And And I think that you have to sort of like, you have to give it over that the audience is in control. Not one person, though. You have to be better than that because your job is to steer the audience. Your job is to steer the audience to having a good time. And if they, if, if, if some portion of the audience misdirects that, you need to direct the rest of the audience back to that. And I found that a lot of people will do it by making a spectacle of the person who is doing the misdirecting and that just that just is you know attention is the currency of the day right now mm-hmm. and negative attention gets the most mm-hmm. and you got to just ignore them you you cannot have a one and the one thing i did learn where i go wrong with the talking sometimes is i have like a one-on-one with people and i'll talk to them for like too long and then i realize the people in the back don't hear what they're saying so like it's you got to keep it you got to keep it wide because it's for everybody, not for one person. Well, you got then you you got to start using the comedian trick of repeating everything they say. Oh. You start repeating. Oh. You start repeating it all so that it, yeah. so that it's a dialogue again. You can start. Oh, that's a great trick. I'm gonna I'm gonna start. I'm going to start feeding you some comedian techniques to extend the banter, to make it so the bad. Because I don't like hearing that the one-on-one makes you cut off the banter. I want to figure out how you, how can we make it that the sound person says you talk for 30 minutes next time. Okay. Yeah. That's what I want. Yeah. Well, the funniest thing, like our booking agent is like big famous giant booking agent. Like <laughs> so famous. Shouldn't be booking us. Like he books like famous people, like stupid famous. Yeah. And he constantly is saying to me, you got to go on a, you got to go on a talking tour. Like oh. you just got to go on a talking tour. Where you just talk. No music. And I'm like, I'm not doing that. Your booking agent wants, I mean, if someone of that caliber wants to put the time into it, that's fascinating. I would love it to do like a story, like a Henry Rollins thing, but like funny. Oh my goodness. You know, like here's how we came up. (laughs) I would be right up front in line. Cause dude, also, I wonder if you thought too, cause you know. Like I said, I'm of a similar thing too, where I think a lot now that I have a kid, I go, man, people get babysitters. Sometimes I go, I don't, you know, I'll sell a couple hundred tickets to a show. I'm, I'm content with that. Sometimes people go, oh, I, I drove four hours to get here. I'm like, oh my goodness. Okay. I better, 
I better put on a, a, a pretty good, pretty good time and really fight for it. But also the thing about talking is like, a lot of the fans are getting older. They want to sit down. They don't want to stand the whole time anymore. Yeah. I love a seated spot. Oh, a seated show. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I love a good seat. Uh, I remember when I started seeking out seats, when I was going to shows and going like, are there any, can I sit somewhere off to the side? And I felt so old and lame. I purposely go to shows where there's seats. Like I love like a, a good, like, you know, Americana show. They love the seats. You know what you got to do? Take your agent up on it. Say, I'm going to do it. All right. This is the Brian Fallon speaking tour. And then at those shows, you start telling stories. Yeah. And then 30 seconds in, you go, actually, you know what? That reminds me of a song. And you break up the stories with long songs so that people don't actually ever get to the conclusion of the stories. <laughs> you invert it. You invert it. <laughs> your, your speaking tour will be laced with endless music. Right. I heard that there was one time where, uh, where No Effects did a, a show where they only played the first 30 seconds of every song. Oh, that's... And the whole show. And I was like, dude, people must have gone insane. But I, as a, I love that stuff. I would have been like, yeah. I would have been all about it. Oh. I would have been all about it and the, and watching the, because no, if, and you know, I got, I am not a shit talker at all, but I'm like, man, some of their fans are like these old school guys with like three foot mohawks who, yeah. to see a guy like that go nuts, to see one of those guys just lose his mind. Oh. At the end, they get mad. I would love. It would just be so fun. I know. It really is fun. Like, <laughs> like I think driving people crazy is like you got to drive them right to the. See, like I'm the like I'll like go and like talk for thirty minutes, but then I'll play like fifty nine sound or forty five or whatever or some like song that no one's heard in so long, and I try to like give a little back, but I definitely love seeing people on the edge of like. <laughs> What are you doing? <laughs> it drives home the point that, like, I don't know. I love it. I love it. I love it, too. Now, I've taken up enough of your time. I want to bring it back to Jersey a little bit. I want to ask this in a broad way. Yeah. Are there things about Jersey in your time coming up here, having so much association with this place, things that are underrated? You know, the easy thing would be to say, are there bands that you came up with that never got their due where you're like, oh, if you want to hear somebody who is great, who who kind of like put out a couple seven inches and disappeared, it's this. Or, you know, venues that you played that aren't the, aren't the legendary ones everybody chatters about where you're like, if you could have seen a show at this place. Or if it's here, here's the late night hang that we used to have that I miss. Here's the diner we used to hit up. Oh, dude. <laughs> are there, are there aspects of the state that you go, here's part, here's the things people don't know about our story or, or the journey that got left by the wayside. Yeah. You know, man, the thing that I miss the most that we still talk about all the time is we would go. So the venue that I thought was the coolest that I never got to play. I'm pretty certain I never got to play it, but I, I thought it was the coolest venue in the world was the Melody in yes. in New Brunswick. And that place just, like, I've seen bands there. I've been there a bunch of times. I never, but I never got to play it. But it was just, that was the coolest venue that, like, nobody knew about. Um, and and it was really, but, the, you know, on the, on the other side of the coin, up north, there was the Loop Lounge. In Passaic, right on the border of Clifton. Yeah. I went there a few times as well, yeah. Yeah, that's the, uh, I think MyChem played like their first couple shows there. 
or like second show or whatever. But like, I remember seeing them so early on and, and being like, wow, (laughs) 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 but then like, um, the one thing that I totally miss more than anything is those grease trucks behind at Rutgers, like, like behind, right. Like right sort of where in the parking lot, in the parking lot. And you would go back there and those guys would just yell at you and say insane things to you. And, And, but they would make these like disgusting sandwiches that at two in the morning were exactly what you needed. And, and just like every kind of person would hang out back there. Like you would go to a show at the court tavern or the melody bar or whatever, or, you know, you would go to like city gardens and then drive there, but you would go and like, there'd be like the football team guys. And then there'd be like, like the guys who like were totally like, like, like the rap guys over here. And then like the, the cheerleader people, like it was like an 80s. Oh, it was nuts. And, 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 all the people were there. And then like the punkers were here and like the hardcore kids were here and nobody was fighting. Everyone was just eating their food, sitting there on the end of a Friday or Saturday night. And it was just the coolest thing ever. It was pretty great. It was pretty great. I was at Rutgers. I was a Rutgers student. The Melody was open my freshman year. And I think they shut it down after that. And I used to, I remember saw two or three shows there and it was the coolest. Yeah. It was a really great venue. And I remember I saw this band. I, I always talk about, there was this band, Boxcar. I saw them at the Melody. Oh, yeah, totally. Dude, Boxcar is the band. I always, people always, anybody who asks me about New Jersey music, I'm like, Dude, were- that band right. was fucking good. And the front man was cool. Dude. And he was the meanest guitar player. Really? Like he knew all the, yeah. Like he knew all the, like not like, but he knew all the, he figured out all the cool, like weird jawbreaker riffs before anybody. And I think they did, they did a really rad cover of that song. Yeah, dude, that band was great. And then the, you're right. The trick with the grease trucks is like you show up. I haven't, I haven't had a drink in many, many years personally, but back then my Rutgers days, it's like you show up, you just saw a show, you had a couple drinks. And now you're getting a giant, disgusting sandwich and two yoo-hoos, and it's like six bucks total. And you get to go and look at all the Polaroid pictures taped up on the truck and see if you know anybody in there. Hey, Benny had a sandwich. The Fat Benny. Is that, is that true? The Fat Benny. Yeah. It was like a, oh, amazing. pretty sure it was like eggplant parm <laughs> or like something like that. It was like a vegetarian sandwich with like French fries stuffed in it. And like, but he had the Fat Benny. 100%. Amazing. Amazing. And you're right. It, it would it. be where all of New Brunswick came together and got along. Because yeah. it's like there wasn't even the bandwidth for anybody to get in a fight because those guys were so relentlessly yelling and blasting music and sensory overload that it's like you can't even yeah. you can't even really exchange words enough to get in a fight here because there's so much shock and awe happening. It was great. They used to say, guaranteed to get you laid a song. They'd say, this sandwich, guaranteed to get you laid. See, I just the fact that, you know, there's a whole generation of people that would order a sandwich with the words of like, <laughs> give me a fat, just, and I want to say horrible language by today's standards, but yeah. give me a fat yes. bitch with no rabbit food and no pussy juice. And that was just a thing that we said to these men. And we were all okay with that. <laughs> like, that was so wild, so wild. <laughs> I can't believe some of the things that were said 
and you just are like, yeah. And I'm gonna eat this now. Now I'm gonna eat. I just said this, and now I'm gonna eat it. And my parents have spent money to send me here, and are proud of me that I got into this school, and this is what I'm doing with my time. Yeah, oh, it's the best. Scarlet Knights. This conversation was long overdue. Everybody called it from the start. Yes. I'm gonna tell you too. There's a small bucket list. And you were on it, and uh, and and you've checked one off the box. And I keep, I like to say them out loud when I go to the next. Go ahead, Kevin Smith. I got to get Kevin Smith as the next one. The, uh, He's never come in contact with me. Really? Yeah, he, travel in the same area down there. We're from Redback, both of us. Yeah, dude. And I know he shops at Cats Luck Vegan, and I know you're friends with them. They've told me he comes in. Yeah, really. That's cool. Dude, you and Kevin Smith are going to meet up at some point. Got it. This will trigger it. All right. I bet he'll. I bet he'll hear this somehow, or someone will tell him about this. He will not be interested in coming on the podcast, but it will lead to you and him somehow doing something together. That's my prediction. And then I'll coerce him into being on the podcast. You can tell him it wasn't that painful. It wasn't that bad. No, I'll be like. I'm not going to ask you any questions about dogma. We'll pretend it doesn't exist. Yeah, dude. Chasing Amy and... Uh, dude. No, the real one. Everybody knows. Dude, in Clerk, everybody talks about Clerks, and Clerks is a fantastic. Wild. Great. Wild. Revolutionary for a lot of us. Sure. Chasing Amy, people are like, it's got some you know, perspectives on stuff today that aren't modern, but it was a really good movie. But everybody knows in Jersey, we give mall rats a lot more love. We give mall rats the love. Yeah. I would want to talk to him mostly about mall rats because that movie, yeah. underrated. <laughs> that movie gets slammed and you go back and watch it today. I'm like, I don't care. That movie is the best. Yeah. That's probably my favorite Kevin Smith is Mallrats. For me, uh, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back is the one. It's no joke. Because that that insanity is growing up that here. You know, like, especially like in the, in the beginning when they're hanging out in the, in the grocery store and like the little kids come up, did that all that business. Like, that's just how, you know. Yeah, man. His movie, it's, it's dude, I have great respect for him because I'm like, First of all, he was the biggest, probably the biggest example today and probably the first for a lot of us. Like I've said with, it's so funny. I interview these small business owners on the show. Every once in a while, we do these small business spotlights. And invariably, even in the times when I haven't known it first, it comes back to the punk scene of like, I interviewed really? a guy from a brewery in Orange who was in a ska band in New Brunswick and then oh, cool. furniture store in Asbury Park. Yep. I used to drive bands around, you know, like, wow. Mutiny barbecue in Asbury Park. Yeah. Punk guys, you know, like yeah. every, all these people running these small businesses, it all goes back to punk. But man, Kevin Smith was one for me. It's like, I was already of an age where I'm like, man, I'm seeing bands and it's like, I'm 14 and I'm seeing Felix Frump and finding out like they're only 17 and they're from Nutley. Like I'm 14 from West Orange. They're from two towns away. And they're like, yeah, they just graduated. Like, this is nuts. You're allowed to do stuff. You know, I'm going to like, let it rock in Montclair. Yeah. And I just get to walk there. But Kevin Smith was the first one of like, oh, that doesn't just have to be music, guys. Right. That doesn't just have to be music. You can be a kid from here, sell your comic collection and go make a movie too. Yeah. And that was eye opening. <laughs> and I got I got to someday, someday, someday. Anyway. We'll do it. We'll do it. Anyway, this has been great. I hope we cross paths in real life someday. Yeah. When, uh, when you play in Jersey and you hear someone yelling less songs, more talk, yeah. just understand that it's probably me out there Okay, because it's really how I feel. This has been lovely. And I thank you for the time. Maybe I'll even bring it up 
I hear you. I bring you up and I say, let's just talk. Oh my goodness. If I could. You know what, guys? Take a break. Take a, take 20. Dude, if you ever need me for that yeah. and you need just a scapegoat, yeah. to, like they'll boo me off the stage and then you can pick up and still have the love. <laughs> I will happily. Yeah. I once, dude, I fe- actually feel like you're the guy who knows them well enough that this story could get back to them. There was a time. Oh, wait. You were there. We have met. You played this fucking show, dude. Hold on a second. Because I always think of it as a Bouncing Souls show because of how I got fucking creamed. You were on this fucking show, but we didn't talk because it was a night of shame for me. I'm just remembering. Did you play? You were on it. Brooklyn Vegan organized like a Jersey night at Music Hall of Williamsburg. You played solo. Oh. Souls played. Dude. Dude. They had me host that show and I got booed off stage four times and didn't talk to you because I got so, I was so ashamed. I didn't talk to you or the Bouncing Souls. What? I blocked it out from memory before right now that you were there. They asked me because I was like a big Jersey. That was when I had a lot of hype at that point. They asked me to intro the bands and it was all, I walked out and I was like, man, I love my home state. But this is just all shore punks and hoodies. I know these people. I know this culture. Like wow. this, it was just all the Souls fans took the trains up, you know, and they were not in a mood to hear me tell jokes. Yeah. And if I referenced, like, I know you guys all took the fucking Parkway, they'd be like, "Yeah, the Parkway." They'd be like, "I grew up in Jersey too, guys." Cheesequake, right? They'd be like, "Cheesequake." Yeah. And then anytime I tried to do an actual joke, they'd start booing. And it fucked, dude, it fucked with my head. Wow. And I got booed off stage. And then I was like, oh no, I'm hosting. I have to go and intro every other band. And I got booed off stage three more times. I would walk out, they'd start booing. And yeah, they, I was in that band, I Nico, very nice. Be- I was in a green room with them. Yes. And they talked to me a little bit. I remember. And then by the end of the night, no one was even talking to me. Because it was like the stink of death was on me as a performer. But some of that too was I was just off in the corner licking my wounds. Yeah. But we did. We played a show together one time and I forgot until right now. Because it was the Souls fans that handed me my ass. I love the Souls. Yeah. But their fans can be a lot. Yeah. And they handed me my fucking ass that night. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love it. I love it. It was bad. That's what I get for too much talking. You got to relish the, the hate, though. You got to be like, yeah. At some point. You got to let the booze take you. Because you know who actually you should have on this show who has nothing to do with New Jersey but is the greatest talker on any stage ever? The king of talking is Pella from The Hives. The king. Wow. If you watch The Hives, like the other day, they're, they're opening up for the Arctic Monkeys in like these giant arenas. And, uh, this is a great time to wrap up because apparently the lawn guy's here. Perfect. I had no idea he was coming today. Hey, if you want true Jersey credibility, have right there being interrupted by a lawnmower in the background. It's yeah, fr- yeah, it's, it's Andrew. 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 I, we're pretty sure he's high all the time, but we still play. He's a young guy, and as long as the job gets done. Yeah, and I don't want to mow the lawn because it, my our yard is small, but like it's still. I got I got the hard. I got to keep him employed. Go for it. Go for it. Uh, so yeah, he they're opening up for like the Arctic Monkeys, and like he'll say things like, "If you love the hives, boo, boo more," and or whatever. But which doesn't sound funny. I understand. But he says things like, "Do you love? Have you ever heard of a band called Oasis?" And this is like fifteen thousand people. Yeah. Would you like, do you love Oasis? Yeah. Would you like to hear an Oasis song? Yeah. Too bad. We're the hives. This song's called the blah, blah, blah. And then they just kick into it. And they're like the 
nasty 60s garage punk band. Yeah. And like he's almost like a wrestling bad guy. But like loves loves to taunt them. And like you see like rowdy rowdy roddy piper behavior. Yeah, like the drummer will be playing and it'll like give you the finger. Like when you're like like I'll be watching them on the side of the stage and he'll just like give me a finger and you'll be like <laughs> I, I'm, I'm with you guys. I'm like, they just, they're wild people. Yeah. Just Google the hives. I will. I'll, I will look all of it up. Yes. I'm, I will say I've enjoyed their songs. I'm not encyclopedic. I know the singles like everybody, but that makes me yes. want to dive in and see them live even more. And then the new song that they just released, incredible. The video is incredible. All right. All right. Beautiful. Pure comedy. I love it. This was a joy. I can't thank you enough. Enjoy. And I can say too, I've always heard through our mutual friends that you are very much the genuine article, what you claim to be. This has proven it true. And everybody out there in Jersey listening, I'm sure is going to be happy to hear that's the case. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks, Chris. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this presentation of New Jersey is the World. New Jersey is the World is Chris Gethard, Nikki Bonaduce, Don Finelli, Andrea Quinn, Carson Kopp, and Mike D. New Jersey is the World is produced and edited by Carson Kopp, Mike D, and Andrea Quinn. You can find us online at New Jersey is the World and on Instagram at New Jersey is the World. Also, please feel free to reach out and leave us a voicemail by contacting the home office of New Jersey is the World at 973-780-4660 in regards to anything show or New Jersey related. Please subscribe and listen to more episodes of New Jersey is the World on your favorite podcast service. If you're looking to join our extremely opinionated and Jersey-ish community, head on over to Patreon.com and search for New Jersey is the World. We have merch, which you can find at BelowTheCollar.com after searching for Chris Gethard. Once again, thank you for listening to this presentation of New Jersey is the World. New Jersey is the world, where New Jersey is the world.